If you feel the pressure to always be on because you're known and praised for your legendary work ethic, but actually you're secretly depleted and languishing, I feel you. Today's episode will be a tonic. I'm Dr. Mandy Leto, and this is Enough, the podcast, a show where overachievers, perfectionists, and anyone who's got unrealistic expectations of themselves can find community, inspiration, and some techniques to help to cut yourself some slack already. Today, I'm riffing on MVP, Minimum Viable Productivity. Now, this is a concept that I discussed with my previous guest, Dr. Aaron Baker, who's a social psychologist and former Facebook exec, but you don't need to have listened to that episode to get the juice out of MVP. By all means, go back and have a listen if you want to, but you're good right here, even if this is the first time you've ever heard of this podcast. Welcome. I'm curious how we can practice adjusting the ridiculously high expectations that we put on ourselves, especially as uncertainty and exhaustion are rife right now. Can experimenting with MVP, minimum viable productivity, be a way to send the message to our frazzled nervous systems that it's safe to rest and do less? Hmm, let's find out. I used to think that my work ethic, which is really code for the willingness to push myself relentlessly, was what made me special. I had this unspoken expectation of myself that I was only worthy when I was achieving remarkable things. Ordinariness was for losers. Stand out, be the best, win. There were certain rules to this game of showing up and working. I'm gonna share these rules these are my rules, but you might have something similar. And these rules are going to be read to you by one of my inner critics, Judgy Janet. She reminds me a lot of Joan Collins in her dynasty days, like with those long, pointy, shiny red nails and that constant look of cool, low-grade disapproval and the occasional sinister head-tossing laugh. Okay, so you got that visual? Here we go. Here's me reading my list of ways to work yourself to the bone. Rule number one. Be willing to forego rest and pleasure in the name of achieving. Those will come to you once you finally achieve and accumulate enough, which is actually never, darling. There's a red nail right in your face now. It's never enough. You will push yourself beyond your limits. So it's a lie. You'll never actually feel pleasure. But now get back to work. Rule number two, your inner state is irrelevant. Your tiredness is irrelevant. Under no circumstances must you let yourself be bullied by your body. Your head is firmly in charge. Rule number three, do not ask for help. Oh, heavens no, 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 no. It's a sign of weakness. Rule number four, cut other people's slack and be charmed by their shares of vulnerability. Oh, but not you, darling. Can you just see that red? finger wagging at you. It doesn't apply to you. No, 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 no. Rule number five, create a compelling decoy self because perfectionism isn't actually attainable. But if you simply effort enough to look immaculate and outdo others, you can fool almost everyone that you have your shit figured out and that buys you safety.
Now, bonus point, because we love bonus points, don't we, Judgy Janet? Yes, we do. Shine in front of authority figures so that they can bestow the validation that you grasp for like oxygen. Feel acceptable that you deserve to exist for precisely 30 seconds after you have been bestowed with a compliment or a high five or a well done. And then you get back to work, Minion, because you have worth to earn. <laughs> yeah, that was Judgy Janet. She's pretty intense. And I'm sharing that and those rules in case your inner critic has some rules of its own about how you should be producing. You're not alone. I know I'm holding these with some levity here today, and levity is a great tool for handling your inner critics, just saying. But when you're in the wily grip of needing to chronically do and not seeing a way out, I completely get that it doesn't feel lighthearted or amusing. The challenge of unwinding these beliefs is that they've actually worked well a lot of the time. So the part of us that thinks this strategy will keep us safe, that might be the achiever part, is white knuckling to keep this super striver online as the status quo. And the really insidious thing is almost no one suspects what might be going on underneath. Dr. Aaron Baker from episode 26 shares their experience of being held up as the model student at uni, although underneath they were anxious and utterly miserable. Went to University of Michigan and had an academic advisor. Her name's Jennifer. And I told her in my freshman year that I was two weeks ahead on my homework. And that was because of this anxiety and dread. And that um, what was really happening for me was like, I had this fear that if I wasn't ahead, something would get in the way. I wouldn't get my reading done. I wouldn't get my homework done and I'd completely fail. So I was perpetually two weeks ahead on everything. I graduated from college in 2006 and Jennifer just retired last year and has been telling my story to incoming undergrads for the last 18 years. She tells it as if, look, Aaron is the model of how to really win at college, at being ahead. And for years, I have been, we're still friends, trying to say to her, no, 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 Jennifer, I was a fucking mess. <laughs> I was anxious as hell. And so I just think it's really important to point out how often we're not just rewarded to ourselves, but we're talked about to other people. And then we have to figure out how to undo this narrative that is so counter to what's actually happening. So fellow strivers, how can we have the courage to adjust our expectations of ourselves, particularly when we may have been rewarded from the outside? And also looking at the state of affairs right now during a pandemic when we're languishing and depleted, how can we adjust our expectations of ourselves and others without feeling like our very worth is at stake? We can start by experimenting with ways to send the message to our bodies and nervous systems that it's actually safe to rest and to do less. The critical voices in your head will assure you that unless you are gunning it for the next goal, promotion, or shiny thing, that you're going to fall behind and miss out and become irrelevant. 
So unless you keep going at this pace, it'll all go to shambles and you'll be living in a van down by the river. You'll get sucked into the quagmire of your to-do list, never to be seen again. If that sounds familiar, notice the extreme nature of that thinking. So let's geek out, put our lab coats on, and ask some really tough questions like this one. Is that really true? What Dr. Aaron touched on in the previous episode, and I wanted to fan out this concept in today's solo, is experimenting with minimal viable productivity. What if, just as an experiment, you contemplated what doing the bare minimum would feel like today? or this weekend, or this month. You don't even have to execute on that yet, but just contemplating what could drop off of your diary without any kind of tragic consequences, what would that feel like? Scary, probably, and your insides might start going all clutchy, and the voice in your head will say, ooh, simply not possible. But what if you considered releasing striving, even if it's just for a couple of hours this afternoon and just focused on what actually really, really, really needed to be done, like feeding yourself, <laughs> getting yourself to bed. And maybe it's about handing in work now and again that's good enough instead of exceptional. The hardest part of all of this is almost certainly going to be permissioning yourself that this is okay. So this is an invitation even if it's just for today, even if it's just for a few hours to experiment with letting a few things go in a good enough state. So pressing that email, even though you know you could edit it and buff it and add a few more pointers, what if you just practiced minimum viable productivity, the good enough email, the good enough dinner, the good enough laundry doing, right? And anticipate some inner resistance. And when it comes in that Joan Collins voice, getting all clutchy, and we do really love you, Joan. I'm talking more about that inner critic voice. Judgy Janet, that's mine, whatever yours is. When the voice comes, try taking a breath and give yourself a permission slip. That's a Brené Brown concept. I use it like this. So I give my self-permission to press send on an email that's good enough. Or I give myself permission to close my laptop for the day at 6 p.m. Or I give myself permission to leave my to-do list unfinished, and here's the kicker, and not feel bad about it. Because here's one thing that I know for absolutely sure. There's always something to feel bad about an unfinished task, a dumbass thing I said in a conversation, that weird flicky thing that my hair sometimes does, and I bet you have your own favorite flavor of feeling bad about yourself. So how about this? I give myself permission to feel good about my choices today. And when your inner critic comes up, because it will, give yourself permission to hear the other, more encouraging voices that are there alongside it. Maybe they're just fainter. If you're someone who's used to constant doing, the way that we adjust expectations of ourselves is gradually and with oodles of self-compassion. Small, consistent steps where you're giving yourself grace. 
Clinical psychologist Dr. Anne Lane, our incredibly popular guest from episode 25, who also had a cameo in Dr. Aaron's episode. She is back to share a couple of thoughts on her experiences around creating space in our lives. I'm a, quite a striver. And if I uh, stop and meditate, oh, someone, Alan de Botton, was talking about taking three hours to look at a painting in a, a, a museum. And he said he took three hours to do it. And I thought, I, I would die. I would die. My nervous system would go crazy because it's used to the pace of my life being hectic to suddenly go into this void to suddenly sit in front of a picture a painting for three hours I would begin to panic and I think we have to be very humane with ourselves sometimes it's not going from uh, absolute completely hectic lifestyle to a uh, retreats where we sit and do nothing for three weeks and then back into absolute hectic lifestyles. <laughs> Sometimes that's that way of just decompressing, taking it down. So there, there are these gradual, gentle routines in our day, you know, making the bed in the morning. I love making the bed in the morning. There's nothing hustly about making the bed in the morning. I love sitting with my cup of coffee. There's nothing hustly about that, is there? But these things, they help me slow down into a a more gentle state don't they without cold going cold turkey which i think is very stressful for, for people who strive and hustle and have done so for years and years and years you need a sort of ritual for moving down so the minimal viable it's just keeps a framework it keeps a sort of safety net doesn't it, it gives you somewhere it, it gives you something to locate yourself and to, to orientate to as opposed to being sort of disorientated by a sudden move into nothingness so I love the idea and it would be defining that for each person, isn't it? What is it for me? What is it for me that would give me that ability to, to, to shift, shift into a, a kind of slower state, protect myself a little bit from all of that, uh, you know, approval or judgment, move back, make it simpler, more consistent. Can you revel even for a moment in a gentle routine that you already have, that you maybe didn't pay attention to, like making the bed or sitting with your cup of coffee in the morning. Those small tasks that we already do are wonderful opportunities to bring space into our lives and to get out of the future, to get out of the past, to bring ourselves into this moment. I'm curious how you could get creative with the concept of minimum viable productivity. So what could it look like for you to do the bare minimum, even for an hour? What could it look like for you to let work go out into the world now and again, not forever, now and again? That's good enough. And I'm also curious how we can use Dr. Ann's concept of reveling in a gentle, simple routine that you have and just being present with the beauty of it. Do leave me a comment on Instagram, tag me in a story. I'm really curious how you're going to play with these concepts of MVP and those beautiful, gentle routines that can just bring you into the present. I'm walking my talk as I experiment with MVP. And what that means is I'm changing the frequency of the podcast to every two weeks to buy myself more space, to create fun, innovative new episodes for you. 
In the meantime, head over to my website and subscribe to The Juice, my microblog that'll keep you on track between episodes. This MVP episode clicks in super nicely with our next guest, the one and only Susie Redding, a prolific author and advocate of self-care who's radically practical and a truly beautiful human being. Here's a snippet of what you can expect in the next episode. It's a very gentle process of getting to know ourselves. Yeah. Peeling back the layers and actually taking a look and noticing day by day, you know, every day we wake up with a different capacity. And I want to encourage people to not only notice that, but to actually say, yeah, it's okay. Right. There are some days when I will feel like I'm cooking with gas. And there are other days where it's enough to blink and breathe. Who's the one person who comes to mind who needs to know about the minimum viable productivity concept? Who do you think of? Hmm. Thank you for sharing this episode with them. I'm so grateful for your shares. I'm so grateful that you're here. And for now, this is Mandy Leto signing out for Enough, the podcast. See you in two weeks. Mm-hmm.